wanted to start the message this morning with a question. When you hear the words, when you hear the phrase called out, what, what comes to mind? Called out. You're called out. Hot seat? On blast? Okay. In trouble. So that's three pretty, I guess, negative kinds of things. Just a show of hands. I'm going to call you out here. Show of hands. Uh, how many here call out and think of it in a positive way? I don't know, maybe a third. So those of you that are bold enough to raise your hands, how many of you think of it in a negative way? About two-thirds. Interesting, interesting. I have experience on both sides of those um, in, in the different things that I've done in my life. The, the first thing as I was thinking about this week that came to mind was uh, I graduated high school at 17, and so I was going to go into the Air Force, and my mom and dad had to sign a waiver for me because I wasn't old enough and all that. And so I land in Texas, they put you on this great big bus, and they, and they ship you to, to Lackland Air Force Base. And I remember I was sitting about halfway through the bus. Each of us are filing out, of course, getting screamed at with nice sunshine and rainbow words. And I get off the bus, I step down like this, and a guy screams in my face and he says, you're dorm chief. Stand over there, right? So I'm, I'm called out immediately. I, I learned on the way there that my flight, that's what they call it in the Air Force, was going to be an, an older flight. Like the average age was like 22 or 23, which I don't know, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but the average age of people in basic training in the military is 18. So 18 and a half. And so I was the only person in our, on our whole flight that was 17, and here I am stepping off the bus being told I'm gonna to be dorm chief. I have no idea what that means. It sounds sort of important, but it also sounds like I was gonna get blamed for a whole lot. Um, and so that was one way of being called out, but I think of a lot of different things. I've talked before about uh, being a coach, and that works both ways. I might call a player out, right, for not doing what they're supposed to do or not standing where they're supposed to stand. Or a parent might come up afterwards because I didn't play little Johnny enough and call me out, right? Cuts both ways. As a pastor, it's a similar thing. We, we stand up here occasionally and, and I might say, who do I usually pick on here? Joe and Joe, both Joes aren't here and I normally pick on them. They're usually right here. I might call somebody out from the stage. I might call somebody out specifically. I might say, Sean, what about this? Or it might be more generic like the question this morning. Or it might be after service because I've said something that you don't like. You call, you come, and you call me out after the service. And so there's this, there's this theme of being called out that we're all used to, right? Oftentimes it seems like a negative thing. And yet when we talk about the Bible, when we talk about this series, what is the church, we're going to see today, oh, hey, I wanted to show you that again. You see that? (laughs) 
Walter and I were sitting in his office, I don't know, like six weeks ago, and we were kicking around what we wanted the graphics to look like. And he came up with this design of the church and everything, and I said, you know what would be really cool? You remember that one meme with Jesus? Can you make that do? I want to do that again. (laughs) Jesus says hi. So what is the church? Um, So last week, as I said, we we started this, and and just so that you kind of know where we're at and where we're going in this series, uh, last week we, we talked about God's plan for the world. And so we couldn't talk about the church if we didn't know where the church kind of came from, like why did it even need to start? And so we talked about why that was last week, God's plan for the world and what we see in the Old Testament, what we see in creation and in the fall, the Old Testament sacrificial system that just could never quite measure up, the, the, the people couldn't measure up and maintain that, and so something else was needed. Christ was needed to be that once-for-all sacrifice. And today we're going to talk about what is the church, but our theme is going to be exactly what I started with. It's going to be about being called out, and that will make more sense when we get a little further in. Next week, we'll talk about leadership of the church. That's in 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, and 1 Peter 5, among some other places. Week 4 will be God's word as the DNA of the church. So what is it that we base our teaching on? What is it that we base our lives on? And so that will be the focus that week. Week five, relationships as the lifeblood of the church. Uh, Paul talks a lot about that in the book of Ephesians. And uh, there's a a bunch of statements. They're called one another statements, the things that we're supposed to do to, for, with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then the last week or two, uh, depending on uh, how much there's going to be, we'll look at some distinctives of LSCC. Joe, I just called you out and you weren't in here yet. So the last week or two, we'll, uh, we'll look at distinctives of LSCC. And so that just simply means however many churches there are around Marquette right now, we each do things a little bit differently. I mean, hopefully we're all uh, biblically based and sound theologically and doctrinally. Uh, but then beyond that, what's the differences between LSCC and, and some other churches? And so that's a little snapshot of, of where we're at and where we're going in this series um, put this up here last week. What is the church? A building, an event, an organization, or a community? And so depending on what context that that question is asked in, the answer may vary. Uh, but one thing that I talked about in the introduction last week was that biblically speaking, the right answer is most times going to be a community. And so that's what we're going to be studying most closely today. And so this was the the verse that I used last week to sort of break things out. And there's going to be several verses that follow, follow this. For those of you that might be newer or new at the church this morning, typically we study books of the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And one of the things that we do is stand together as we read God's word as a way to honor God and his word. In a topical series like this, it's a little more difficult, but I've got several of these, and so I'd like to do that this morning. If you're able, uh, please stand with me. 
uh, as we read through a handful of verses uh, that where we see the word church. And you're also going to see a few other words that I'm going to have highlighted in red that's the same uh, Greek word. And so Matthew 16, 18, this is the first place that we see this in the New Testament. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Several from the book of Acts, which is uh, the book of beginnings, the beginnings of the church. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard these things. Acts 5.11. Acts 7.38. This is the one who in the congregation in the wilderness, so this is referring to the Old Testament, this is referring to the Israelites, was with the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received living oracles to pass on to you. Two verses from Acts 8, verses 1 on top and verse 3 on the bottom. Now Saul, who we know as Paul, was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout all of the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. That's all the people that were part of the church. Verse 3, but Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women. He was delivering them into prison. Acts 9.31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria was having peace, being built up, and going on in the fear of the Lord and in an encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it continued to multiply. After this, he dismissed the meeting. Again, that's the same word, church. Romans 16.16 16 says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. 1 Corinthians 4.17, For this reason I have sent to you, Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and who will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Colossians 1.24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and I fill up what is lacking of Christ's afflictions in my flesh on behalf of his body, which is the church, on behalf of Christ's body, which is the church. Hebrews 2.12 says, I will recount your name to my brothers in the midst of the assembly, the church, I will sing your praise. Revelation 3.22, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. God, as we come to you this morning, we are grateful and thankful as always that we get to gather together in your name this morning, that we get to study your word, that we get to sing your praises as we worship together, Lord, we get to fellowship with one another before and after the service. God, these are things that we don't take lightly, and, that, and we know that these freedoms don't exist as, as we look around the globe, and so we shouldn't take them for granted, and we should always be thankful and grateful for this opportunity that we have. Lord, I thank this morning of, the, of those that have been ill with the flu and, and different things going around our community now. Lord, I pray that 
there's rest and recuperation for those that need it, uh, whether that be the individual or even uh, caretakers of, of children or uh, you know, adult caretakers. God, that's a, a very difficult thing to take care of people for a sustained time, Lord, so we lift them up to you and again for rest and recuperation and just uh, full restoration there. Lord, I think about those who are traveling or will be traveling as soon we pray for traveling mercies there that uh, that may be a time of rest and, and recovery from jobs, uh, from regular normal things. And yet at the same time, Lord, I pray that they stay connected to you wherever they are and seek you out where they are. And I pray for today as we look closer at the word church, as we look closer at the ones that you've called out is what we'll learn God, I pray that, that we recognize that in ourselves as we talk about it, uh, that, that it will fall on us fully and completely what that means that we're called out, and that those are, uh, that's the way that we will glorify and honor you today and, and, and throughout the next week. And it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So let's look first at this, at this word. So this is a Greek word. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've been to a church that called themselves ecclesia or something like that. It's the word that you see up there. And so there's a prefix there and there's a, a, a root there. And I, I promise this is going to be about the most heady that it, it gets today. So the, the prefix that we see there, the, the ek, or we, we might see it in another Greek words, ex. That means out of or from. And then the, the klesia, or it's the, the root would be kaleo. That means to call, all right? So out of, from, or and to call. That's what ekklesia means literally. So literally, it would be the called out ones. So every time that we see the word church, if, if we were reading it, in the Greek, we would see it 114 times in 111 different verses in the New Testament. So every time that we see it, that's what this would literally mean. Now, more generally, and, and I used a, an example from the Old Testament as we were reading through there as well, a more general description would be a, a, a gathering or an assembly, but specifically a gathering or an assembly of believers, of believers in Christ. And so you've heard me say before, I said it last week, and I'm sure that we'll use it a few more times during this series. Uh, I've called it Big C Church. You might know it as or read it or hear it as the universal church or maybe even the invisible church, depending on uh, what your background is. And then I would call it the little C Church or the visible or local body of believers. And so Big C Church Universal church is exactly what it sounds like. It would be all believers uh, of all time everywhere, right? That's the universal church. A little C church would be us, Lake Superior Christian Church, North Iron Church, Bethel Baptist Church, Silver Creek Church. That would be little C church. So I want to talk a little bit more about what called out means. Um, look at this in, in actually three different ways, but you're only going to see two of them 
on the screen here. I was thinking about another one uh, this morning. First, it's an outward call. So that would be uh, like earlier, I called out to you for a response, right? And we see this in a couple different ways. Specifically today, we see this with Jesus and his disciples. And then, of course, we see it with ourselves as well. Mark 1, verses 16 through 20 says this, As he, Jesus, was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So Jesus called them out, Follow me. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired servants, and he went away to follow him. And so we see Jesus calling the disciples. Two more from Mark, verse 14 out of chapter 2. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, who we would know as Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he stood up, and he followed him. In chapter uh, 3, verse 13, it says this, and he went up on the mountain and summoned those who he himself wanted, and they came to him. And so there is an outward call. There was an outward call uh, with Jesus and his disciples, and there's an outward call with us. It looks a little bit different. Obviously, Jesus isn't walking by and saying, follow me in the same way that we read in the scriptures with the disciples, but it works differently. It, it works like this. Romans 10, and this is verses 8 through 17, but some of it's compressed if you were to read it exactly. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith which we are preaching. Right? An outward call, preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, leading to righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, leading to salvation. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the good news of good things. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so with the disciples example, we see Jesus literally there saying, come follow me. And we see an immediate response from the disciples. And, and obviously, Romans takes place uh, after the accounts that we read in the gospel. It's, it's taking place after Acts, which we read several verses from, so the early start of the church. And so the church is, is getting going here. So we read in early in Acts that the Holy Spirit came down, resided within the early disciples, the group of believers, and, and they started to multiply in great numbers. We'll talk at the end, at the end of the message 
more specifically about this, but part of their call was to preach the good news. And that's what we see happening here, the word of faith which we are preaching. Well, how will they believe if they've not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach if they're not sent? And so it's an outward call in the same kind of a way. Those of us that are believers, for me as as a pastor, it's an outward call to those in the fold, right? Part of the family, that that would be admonishment and those kinds of things, exhortation, encouragement. But we would call it evangelism, right? When we're talking to non-believers, that would be an outward call. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of Christ. Now there's also an inward call, and I'm not going to park too long on this because this could be a message or a series of messages of their own, but I did want to touch on this. Um, The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. That's Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of those sins, the the penalty of those sins is, is death. And so we're dead. We're spiritually dead. We talked about that last week when we talked about creation. We talked about uh, the fall and how we believe in original sin, what what Adam did carried on through the generations. And so in that way, we're spiritually dead. Now, what can a dead man do? Nothing, right? Right? And so the, the, the theological term that we would use here would be regeneration. That would simply mean this, again, in a very simple way. If we are dead and we have hearts of stone, then something needs to happen for us to be able to receive the message. So regeneration would be that something that the Spirit would create in us a softening in our hearts so that we might be able to hear the message. Hear the word of Christ. And so that would be a regeneration. And of course, then there's an inward faith or trust or, or, or belief. And then we're sustained by the Holy Spirit. John 6.44 says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. All right? That's what I'm talking about with regeneration. We can't pursue God until we've been softened to the point that we can hear the message because dead men can't do what? Anything. And I will raise him up on the last day. I will sustain, I'll raise him up. Romans 8.11 says this, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so that's what sustains us. There's a move of the Holy Spirit that softens our heart so that we can hear the message of God. We respond to that 
softening, and then we believe, trust that Christ is Lord and the Holy Spirit that sustains us. If I could go back and do my slides again, I would add sort of a third bullet point here that didn't really occur to me during the week. Should add here, what are we called out from, right? So there's an outward call, there's an inward call, but what, but what are we called out from? Many of those verses that I just said in Romans, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The penalty of that sin is death. Okay? That's what we're being called out from. Now, Paul talks a lot about the old self and the new self. If you've studied Ephesians before, he, he uses this uh, metaphor and analogy a lot. We're called out of our old selves, and we're called into our new selves. And that new self has the Holy Spirit as a guide. It has the word of God as a guide. And then all of our Christian life after that, another fancy theological term is called sanctification. It just means working out your salvation, work, working out your Christian life for the rest of your time here on earth. Because it, our salvation is a done deal. The working out of it is a lifetime process. There's ebbs and flows. There's ups and downs of times where we're closer to Christ and farther away from Christ. And so that pursuit over our lifetime is what we're doing. That's what we're doing now if you're a believer. And so that's what we're called out from and we're called into. We're called out of the old self and into the new self that's striving to be more and more like Christ. So purpose, what's the purpose of the called out ones? So we've defined it, uh, we've looked closer at, at what it is and how it works. So like, why? What, what's the purpose? Now, we could talk about a lot of different things here, but, but I think that Acts 2.42, in the most succinct way possible, captures what the purpose is of the church is, what the purpose of being a called out one is. And they were continually devoting themselves. They, the called out ones, the church, were continually devoting themselves to what? Uh, to the apostles' teachings, uh, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. To the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And so, what is the purpose? What do we do as the called out ones? What do we do as the church? Acts 2.42 tells us these four things. The church is devoted to sound teaching and doctrine. We've talked about that a lot here. We'll talk about that more forget what it was, week four, I believe we're talking about Scripture as the, the DNA of the church, but sound teaching and doctrine. So that means that I don't come up here, throw a verse up there, and spend the next 35 minutes of story time, all right? 
that's what that would be an example of not doing. I've been unfortunate enough, and maybe some of you guys have too, to be part of churches that are like that. And if you're visiting today, I'm just kind of quickly scanning, and, and that sounds familiar, you should run. Okay? You should. And if you want to talk about that more after the service and call me out, then, then fine. We'll go to the Bible and see what it says. All right, but we're supposed to be devoted to sound teaching and doctrine. Yes, that means me as one of the leaders of the church. And again, that's something that we'll talk about here uh, next week, I think it is, or the week after. But that also means each and every one of us that are brothers and sisters, that are called out ones, because every one of us are that, 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 that believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord. We have to be devoted to sound teaching and doctrine. Notice what this says here. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So in that context, this isn't the apostles being devoted to teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Yes, they were, but they, in our context, is you guys. And I'm, don't, please, don't walk out of here thinking that I'm equating myself with apostleship. That's ridiculous. But that would be our context here, okay? Sound teaching and doctrine, and that only comes from here. Again, that doesn't come from getting up here and having story time and talking about all my experiences and all of those things. I do think there is a place and a time for those things, but those things should be small and, and, and few compared to how much we're studying God's word. And in your time as well, I would encourage you, even if it's a, a Bible study where you're gathered together with other men and women, it's not uncommon for somebody to come up to us and say, hey, I want to do a Bible study. Sarah might come up to me and say, I want to do a Bible study with a group of women. What should I use? What curriculum should I use? Sarah, have you ever asked me that? Can you guess what my answer was? The Bible. Okay? That's not to say that there aren't great Christians who have put together other curriculum, but it's my contention that, that most of us are biblically illiterate, no matter how long that we've been in the church, and we have to put ourselves out there to study God's word. Uh, I've used, uh, I've told this before, when I was a new Christian, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do almost immediately was read through the Bible. And so I'm just pounding away, page after page, day after day. I, I was on leave from a surgery, so I had all kinds of time. And I get through it, and I start back on it a second time, within a matter of months. By then, I got a book, a study Bible, right? Life Application Study Bible. Maybe some of you have this. And I start back through. And I found myself about halfway through the Old Testament. One morning, I'm, I'm reading, and I'm reading the notes, and then the scripture. And I sort of took notice of it at the time, and then a, a week or two later, I started to notice that about all I was reading was the notes and not the scripture. Guess what I don't have anymore? A study Bible. Now, I've got all kinds of tools that I can use for teaching and that sort of a thing, but when I do my personal reading, 
I found that that didn't work for me because I'm reading what other people were saying about the Bible rather than God's word itself and letting the Holy Spirit do that work inside of me. Fellowship among uh, believers. So we had fellowship last week when 35 or 40 of us were back in the community room and we, and we met together. There was social time. There was time to ask, how's your family? There was a time of prayer. There was a time of, of eating together. That would be more of a corporately together. We're also supposed to have fellowship among believers. Take somebody out to lunch after church. Have somebody over at your house during the week. Meet somebody for coffee. Talk to somebody on the phone. We're building up one another, and that requires there to be connection and fellowship. And we'll talk about that in a few more weeks with more depth. Now, you might be confused here a little bit with into the fellowship and the breaking of bread. Fellowship and breaking bread, don't those two things go together? Yes. What this is referring to here would be what you've heard called the Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist, that type of thing. It was a specific gathering that we see Christ do with the disciples the last night of his life where he breaks bread, he drinks wine, and uses those to illustrate that his body was being broken, that his blood was being spilt. So the breaking of bread together, communion together, and we do that each week here at this church. Uh, One of the things that we've been talking about in staff meeting lately, hopefully I won't get the stink eye for saying this out loud, I'm looking at Walter. We wanted to start having like a monthly um, potluck. And on, on the months that we do that, maybe we'd still offer communion to those that didn't want to stay, but we wanted to do communion together, like for real, with bread and juice and a meal and sitting together at a table. And so I know we're going to do that at some point, so keep your eye open for that. And of course, prayer. If you were with us in the last study, Ezra and Nehemiah, even though those were in the Old Testament, we see prayer all throughout both books. Short prayers, like we ended the series with, Oh God, remember me. And there was usually a four, a short little statement. Remember chapter nine of Nehemiah was actually an entire prayer, the longest prayer in the Bible. And so the example that we have if we're doing the sound teaching and doctrine, is that prayer will be a large part of our faith. That is what we'll be devoted to. One thing that I would encourage any of you to participate in, after the worship set is done, there's a few minutes with a countdown um, on the screens, and we have corporate prayer up here after the service. And so we'll hear about the needs of whoever stays, but also family or rest of the church and that sort of a thing. And it's an important thing. When we have communion here shortly, if you're here with your wife or your family or something like that, or even friends, take that communion together, pray together, fellowship together. So this might seem simple, it's because it is. This is what 
called out ones do. As I said, there's much more to it than that, and that's really what this whole series is tackling, but Acts 2.42 captures it in such a short, uh, nice little way. Sound teaching and doctrine, fellowship amongst believers, breaking bread together, and prayer. That's what we do. As I close here, I wanted to circle back to what I said in the beginning about being called out. As by the show of hands, the majority of us in this room think of called out in a negative way. When we look at it biblically, it's not a negative thing at all. In fact, it's a life-saving thing to be called out. To be called out of the darkness, to be called out of sin and, and made righteous and made right with God. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a part of the church, ecclesia, to be a called out one. As we've talked about that, even just that last little chunk, the purpose. Where are you at with your study and your doctrine and your fellowship with your fellow believers? When you participate in communion, is there a weightiness to it? Where you're remembering Christ's sacrifice for you that, that, that allows you to sit here as a new creation today? Or is it a checkbox? Weighty doesn't need to mean like heavy and crying and all of that, although it could mean that. Weighty can mean that we're celebrating that life that we have in Christ too. So I encourage you as we take a communion in a moment, don't, don't let that just be a checkbox. Don't let that just be something that we do as part of our service. There is a weightiness to it. That's part of what we're supposed to be devoted to. Now, if you are here or you're watching or listening at some later time and most of this stuff is like straight over your head, that's fine. I was there for a long time until the Holy Spirit softened my heart and I allowed the Word of God to penetrate and change my life. And so that's an okay place to be, but I would tell you, don't stay there. Pray, talk with somebody, another believer that you, you might know or, or be with here today. Let that process begin. Right? There's a reason that you're here. There's a reason that you're listening. And it may very well be that the Spirit is softening that hard heart and wants to call you into a family, wants to call you out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together today. God, when we talk about a subject like uh, being called out by you, being set aside, 
And I didn't even get into things in the beginning of Ephesians, how this was planned before the foundation of the world and all of that stuff. Lord, there's been this massive plan that you've had in process for a long time. And I pray today that those of us that have, have called on Christ, that have confessed and repented and then called on him as Lord, that we hear that we're called out ones and, and, and we let that weigh on us uh, in the sense of what that means, in, in the sense of being a new creation created in Christ, in the sense of, of fully uh, understanding and grasping what the responsibility is when we're that. Lord, I pray together as this local body of believers that we are doing the things that you gave us in Acts 2.42. We pray for the sound teaching and doctrine from the stage and with one another and in personal study. We pray for fellowship and in, in the building up of one another. We pray in a moment as we take communion that will not just remember the sacrifice, but will also celebrate it and understand the part that that plays in our freedom, you know, the place that we are in our new creation. And God, prayer is our avenue to speak with you, and it's not because you don't know what's already going in on our hearts, because the Bible tells us you do. It's our way of expressing ourselves and expressing what's on our heart and it's for us communicating to you Lord and so I pray that people would do that today as well it's in Jesus name we pray amen be sure to stay up to date with the latest information at lscc.tv while you're there click on connect to find a way to get more involved at LSCC or learn about how to put your talents to work in one of our ministries if you've been blessed by this podcast and call LSCC home, consider supporting LSCC financially by going to lscc.tv give. Big or small, every gift helps us in our mission to love God, love others, and be the church in our mission field, near and far. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you back next week.